greatest symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production.
to the Hogan Era Podcast. This is, of course, JP John Paz on the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling's podcasting feed, a part of the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling's podcasting empire, really the one-man power trip behind the two-man power trip here. And each and every week here on the Hogan Era Podcast, we're talking about the greatest era in the history of the business, 1984 to 1993, the golden era, if you will, the Hulk Hogan Era man that did it all the man that made Vince McMahon a billionaire and most recently which I just thought was hilarious I wanted to mention this but Dave Meltzer obviously world-renowned um, journalist if you will a dirt sheet connoisseur he's been the the king of the hill as far as uh, that is concerned but I saw recently on Twitter he finally admitted and it's funny because this is you know many 40 years later or whatever it is many years later he finally admitted that Hulk Hogan is the number one box office draw of all time for some reason had an issue with it some reason a problem with it but he finally admit that he sold the most tickets the hottest draw ever people were saying back and forth to him oh but Steve Austin um, for a shorter period of time was doing a lot of sellouts and he was drawing a lot of money. The whole common sense ain't so common sometimes here, folks. If you're a big draw for a short amount of time, and then Meltzer was saying that Hogan was a bigger draw for a longer amount of time, obviously, if you're a bigger amount of draw for a longer amount of time, that is more of a draw than a short amount of time. So just wanted to kind of mention that briefly just because I thought that was funny, but obviously it took him a while to finally admit it, but he finally admitted that Hulk Hogan is the number one box office draw of all time, sold the most tickets of all time. And I think that was pretty obvious to anybody who had a set of eyeballs or maybe had a brain, but obviously the Hulkster is the man. He is the Babe Ruth of wrestling. He is the reason why we are all here today. And each and every week here on the show, we've been talking about some of the biggest feuds ever. And it's not only history of the business, but of course, in the history of the Hulkster, we're talking about Andre the Giant, King Kong Bundy, Big John Studd, the Nature Boy, Ric Flair, Psycho Sid, The Undertaker, Yokozuna, Earthquake, Big Boss Man, Akeem. And we've been talking about Haku most recently, and of course, Rowdy Roddy Piper. And I think one of the big feuds that kind of just gets a little bit, I wouldn't say washed away, but it was one of those things where it didn't have many matches, so it almost gets forgotten. But these guys had such a history, and that is, of course, today's subject, today's focus, and that is Ken Patera, the world's strongest man. If you go all the way back to basically, I'd say 1981, and that is kind of the first time that Ken Patera and Hulk Hogan crossed paths. Of course, that was back in the AWA, and they had a big history in the AWA, whether wrestling each other in tag matches, six-man tags, one-on-one matches, um, being in battle royals together. I mean, they had a, a long, long feud and a long history, 81, 82, 83, all through the AWA. The original Heenan family, of course, was in the AWA, and Hogan and Baron Von Raschke and Hogan and Tito were kind of beating up and, and fighting the Heenan family all the way back then. Before, this is pre-WBF, this is AWA. Heenan era. So there was a lot of uh, matches between Patera and Hogan in 1981, 1982, and all the way into 1983. Of course, they would have some matches where they would actually be teaming up together. In 1984, New Japan Pro Wrestling, a part of the IWGP Tag League 84, Hogan and Patera lose to Inoki and Tatsumi Fujinami. Hogan and Patera lose, along with the Max Superstar, lose to Fujinami Fujiwara and Antonio Inoki, and those were two matches back-to-back months in 1984. So really, 
Let's give you a little background on Ken Patera. Of course, like I mentioned, the world's strongest man. Where does that come from? It comes from his Olympic background, his weightlifting career. He's a highly decorated Olympic weightlifter. He won several medals at the 1971 Pan American Games, including gold, and of course, in, in the weightlifting total. He finished second in the 1971 Weightlifting World Championships behind a legendary Russian, Vasily Alexe. As of, excuse, hard to pronounce these Russian names, but uh, he was the the gold medals there. He won four consecutive U.S. Olympic, war, excuse me, U.S. weightlifting championships in super heavyweight from 1969 to 1972. He's really the first American to clean and jerk over 500 pounds. He accomplished that in the senior nationals in Detroit in 1972. He would actually clean and press over 500 pounds, and he was the last super heavyweight to really excel in the international level, as far as weightlifting was concerned, he's just an absolute beast. Of course, uh, as everybody knows, he was part of the 1972 summer Olympics in Munich, Germany. Although he was never really a serious contender, he was thought to be against Vasily. And again, he came up short, but he did qualify, but he did not uh, win any golds. Uh, the Pan American games, like I mentioned, obviously he, he finished with the gold that was 1971 in Cali. Then, of course, World's Strongest Man comes around in 1977, and he finished third in the World's Strongest Man competition. Really, he's doing that. He's becoming that kind of you know legendary status as far as, okay, if you're an Olympian, everyone's going to remember you. You're just an a absolute freak. You're winning the gold medal in weightlifting at the Pan American Games. How can you make some serious money? How can you make some serious dough? Let's go into the world of professional wrestling. And in the early 70s, a straw man enters professional wrestling really in 1973 under the tutelage and teaching of Mr. Vern Gagne. He, and like I mentioned, he really started out in the AWA. But here we want to talk about the Hogan era. I want to talk about the WWF. But just a little bit before I get into that pre-Hogan era, he makes his WWF debut in Philadelphia, PA, 12-7-1976, and he defeats Kevin Sullivan. Yes, that Kevin Sullivan, the WCW Booker, Taskmaster Talks, great show that I have on the Creative Control Network that I do with Kevin. Yes, a very, very young Kevin Sullivan loses to Ken Patera there. You know, he's making his name for himself because he's this Olympic star and, and you know, he won the Pan American Games. He's such a big weightlifter. So when he answers the WWF, he immediately starts getting a, a little bit of a push. Like I mentioned, he beats Steve King. He meets Kevin Sullivan. His really third match in, he's going for the WWF World Heavy, WWF World Heavyweight Championship, and he's fighting Bruno Sammartino at Madison Square Garden. So it just shows you kind of what they think of him, what Vince Jr. thought of him, and Patera gets the win in 16 minutes via countdown. So really one of his first matches then in the WWF, he beats Bruno. In MSG in New York City, he beats him by Canada, and it's really, really one of the things where it's like, wow, what, what a you know major push here for Ken Patera as he kind of going through. He's winning battle royals, he's beating Gorilla Monsoon, he's just really kind of you know dominating, if you will. I mean, he's beating Pete Austin and Steve King in handicap matches. He's really not having any losses. Then 2-7-1977, he has a rematch in MSG in a Texas death match against Bruno, and it goes 15 minutes, and it's a no contest. So, I mean, they're really, really keeping him strong. They really just, they absolutely love Ken Patera and what he, you know, what he has to offer. He's a good hand. He's obviously got the background. He's totally believable. 
he's one of those guys who's like, well, he's going to kill Bruno. He's going to destroy him. He's he's the world's strongest man. So what happens the next month, the third match in the trilogy, like I said, Patero wins by Canet, then there's a no contest. And then finally, Gorilla Monsoon is going to be the special guest referee. 3-7-1977, Bruno Sammartino defeats Ken Patero by referee's decision. So as Patero is going along here, got to think like, wow, that's pretty damn impressive because you're not really technically losing to Bruno referee's decision. Yeah, but it's a nice little out for, uh, for, for Patero to have to just keep him strong. They'd have another rematch in Boston, Massachusetts with Bruno and Bruno defeats Patero by DQ. Then they have another rematch in Uniondale, New York, and that goes to a, a double countout. So they really kept him very, very strong. He even has a number one contendership match against Ivan Putsky. And he beats him by count out, which leads to after Bruno loses the title, Superstar Billy Graham, that would lead to a big match on 531.77 in Portland, Maine, where Superstar Billy Graham and Ken Patera go to a no DQ for the WWF world title. Bruno isn't done with Patera yet. He defeats him by double DQ in Philly and by count, excuse me, they had a double DQ in Philly. And then Bruno defeats Patera by count out in Providence, Rhode Island. Just gotta love the fact that not only is Patera, you know, getting this big push, he's not really beating Bruno convincingly. He has a world title shot against Superstar Billy Graham. He doesn't really lose there either. So then they have another match with Superstar Billy Graham and Patera for the title again in Portland, Maine. You've noticed this, and I talked about this before in the show. A lot of these matches go two or three times in in the same territory after a month for instance like i mentioned portland maine against superstar billy graham they come back a month later and him and superstar billy graham have another title match so it just gets people interested in the area and really what happens a lot of the times and the goal is of course sell more tickets for the rematch and then really build it up and really build up that market this time the rematch goes to a dq but superstar billy graham gets the win and, and again gorilla monsoon is the special guest referee there there's another rematch between bruno sammartino and campatera on 7 17, 1977, Grilla Monsoon against referee and Bruno San Martino wins in about 15 minutes. They have a big time Texas death match. 8 1977, MSG, Mass Garden on the MSG network. Bruno San Martino finally gets a big win over. Ken Patera there. They'd have the match again the next month in Boston, Massachusetts. Bruno gets the win there too. So it's like, wow, he finally, after all this time, all these many months, is finally getting his victories over Ken Patera, meaning that Bruno is finally getting some wins over Ken Patera. When Bob Backlund is world champion, he also has a bunch of matches against Patera in 1978 as well. He wins by countout. Backlund would, would uh, pin him once again by countout, and then Backlund would pin him again as they kind of go through. Um, they have a match in uh, 319, 1978, where Backlund defeats him by countout. It just kind of keeps going along here, and they do have a feud for a while because they'll have matches not only where Patera is getting the win over Backlund by countout or referee's decision, but the title didn't change hands, so they're keeping him strong. But they also introduced the Intercontinental title in 1980, and really 1979, but Patera starts feuding with Pat Patterson in 1980. So as you're going through, you're like, okay, he's fighting Bruno. He's having a good feud there. He's having a little mini feud with Superstar Billy Graham. He's having a three-year feud on and off with Bob Backlund. He's having a little feud with Ivan Putsky. I mean, all the, all the top guys, Chief J. Strombo, 
he really is, you know, top of the heap here. Then finally on 4-21-1980 on MSG Network at Madison Square Garden, Kemp Terra defeats Pat Patterson and wins the Intercontinental World Championship in about 21 minutes. So quite a run so far for Ritera. And this is, of course, pre-Hogan era we're talking about here. But he did have a quite a run here with the Intercontinental Championship. When you look at his run and you really kind of just look at, at what's going on with the Intercontinental Championship, obviously Pat Patterson was the inaugural champion, won a phony baloney tournament in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, which really just you know, never really happened. But, uh, you know, I, I digress. He had a 232-day run with the title. Then Patero wins it, like I mentioned, 42188 in MSG. He holds it for 230 days before losing it in New York, New York to Pedro Morales who would then go on to hold it for 193 days. Then he loses to Morocco. Then Pedro wins it back. And then Morocco wins it back. And, you know, we go on and on from there. But if you look at it, okay, Patera is is becoming you know, a bit of a force, not world champion, but intercontinental champion. And it did hold a lot of weight there. It, it did really hold strong. He really is doing quite well. Like I mentioned, feud with Backlund, a little bit of a mini feud with Superstar Billy Graham. And then when he defeats Pat Patterson, he kind of becomes a big deal in the Intercontinental title, which is a secondary title, but it was still held a lot of prestige back then. It, you know, it, it really, you know, it, it held a lot of water. He was he was doing uh, a damn, damn uh, good job. So as he kind of just goes along in the WWF, of course, I mentioned the Heenan family AWA. He's also a member of the Heenan family in the WWF. He was along with, you know, Hercules and King Kong Bundy and Carly Race and Paul Orndorff. He really would be, you know, a, quite a force for the WWF and quite a good heel. And him and Heenan obviously had great chemistry. They worked very, very well together. If you remember this, though, as far as his career, he had a few years off. And if you think about kind of what happened um, with Patera, he kind of left the business for a while. He was gone uh, for several years. If you think about it, like, okay, he was part of the Heenan family. He's in the AWA. He's doing, you know, big things, you know. He, but something happens. Something halts his career on April 6, 1984, Kipitera was denied service at McDonald's restaurant in Wisconsin, prompting the very angry wrestler to throw a rock through the window of the building. Patera also or always claimed that a that a former employee threw the rock through the window and he he took the blame. But he and fellow AWA wrestler Masasaito later assaulted the police officers who came to see what the hell was going on with the rock going through the building. And of course, when you attack police officers, you're gonna get arrested. And it's uh, it, not not good. But when Saito and Patera threw the rock to the window, they leave. The police officers were sent to arrest Patera at the at their hotel. They were sharing a room. Obviously, um, <laughs> just not a good situation. Sixteen months later, at this point, Patera, who's in the WWF, was arrested and sentenced to two years in prison. So crazy. Like okay, he you know he has his career. He goes along, goes along. And then, boom, a little bit after this incident, about uh, 16 months later, he gets arrested for it, for assaulting the cops, and he ends up going to jail for two years. So really, really kind of killed his run and really killed what could have been. Because if you look at 1985, 3-15-1985 is the first match between Hogan and Patera. Hogan defeats Patera in Kingston, PA. 
of course, for the WF World title. 5-7-1985, Hogan would defeat Patera by DQ in Poughkeepsie. Then they have a match, a part of the Prism Network, which you'll probably hear at the end of the show, which is a very, very well-known uh, match and a lot of people are very familiar with because you can see it on YouTube and is available everywhere. I suggest you to definitely, definitely be interested in watching good stuff. 525-1985, Hogan defeats Patera in 12 minutes in Philly, PA. Hogan would then defeat Patera in Denver, Colorado on 6-2-1985. And then, like I mentioned, those were really the, the bean potatoes of the title shot, and everybody remembers Philly. But after he's arrested, gone for two years for attacking the, the police officers, he then comes back with a vengeance in 1987. Hogan and Patera defeat the Heenan family, Andre the Giant and Hercules, part of a dark match in the Saturday night's main event number 11 tapings from South Bend, Indiana on the Prison Network 620, 1987. Hogan and Patera defeat Hercules and Harley Race in about 11 minutes and 30 seconds. They'll have a rematch on 624, 1987, a part of the dark match, WWF Challenge 19. 87, uh, excuse me, challenge in 87, but the challenge was number 46 in Louisville, Kentucky. Of course, Hogan and Patera win there. And then infamously, the really last match that they're part of together, 11-26-1987, Butch Reed, the Heenan family of Andre the Giant, King Kong Bunny, Recruit, and the one-man gang defeat Bam Bam Bigelow, Don Morocco, Hulk Hogan, Ken Patera, and Paul Orndorff in 24 minutes and 30 seconds. Part of the main event, Survivor Series 1987 in Richfield, Ohio at the Richfield Coliseum. So a little bit of a small feud here, but they do have a few major matches that end up on, well, the Prism Network, but they are on, of course, available on YouTube and everywhere else. I feel like, you know, with Patera, obviously that arrest ended up really, really just halting his run and halting his career. He's able to make the big triumphant return in 1987 to the WWF, but you know, he wasn't really getting the big push. He was a baby face, but uh, times are a changing and he really, you know, didn't have a, a great run there. He, I guess like the, the big thing people would probably remember is Survivor Series 87, or if they remember King of the Ring 1988, which wasn't televised, but it was part of the uh, house show circuit in Providence, Rhode Island, held on 10-16-1988. He won his first round match against Nikolai Volkov, and then he loses the quarterfinal match against Ted DiBiase, the Million Dollar Man. That King of the Ring 1988, of course, was won by the aforementioned Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase. So he did end up losing to the eventual winner, which is okay. But he faced a lot of jobs when he came back. He was losing to Big Boss Man. He was losing to Hercules. He was losing to Rick Rude. He was losing to Red Rooster. He was losing to Mr. Perfect. He was losing to Bad News Brown and really um, losing to Ron Bass. So really, his swan song, if you will, his last match in the WWF was 11-24-1988, part of Survivor Series 88, Richfield Coliseum again in Richfield, Ohio. Dino Bravo, Mr. Perfect, and the Heenan family of Harley Race, Andre the Giant, and Rick Rude defeated Jake the Snake Roberts, Jim Duggan, Scott Casey, Tito Santana, and Ken Patera himself in about 30 minutes. And that was his last match ever in the WWF as he would leave after that. And, you know, it I guess you could say it marked the end of his, his big-time wrestling career because he was never really... Uh, in the spotlight ever again. I feel like the, the rest kind of hampered him and kind of took him down. I've, the only real big TV moments you'll, you'll remember, he does make his return to the AWA. He has a little bit of a mini feud with Larry Zabisco. And then, of course, Herb Abrams, UWF, where he lost to 
Nikita Koloff, I think, would be the big match that everybody remember. Or maybe his match against Billy Jack Haynes where he gets the victory. But those were really kind of it for him. Um, his last real official wrestling match was in 2011. He lost to Bob Backlund at the Juggalo. Juggalo Legends and Icons show. Just a interesting kind of end to the career for Campitero, which had such a good and powerful start. Obviously, an, a, an Olympic weightlifter, a Pan American Games gold medal winner. You know, he's a pretty damn legendary name. I think a lot of people know his brother, Jack, who was the coach of the Seahawks and played in the NFL. He had a brother, Dennis, who also played in the NFL. I feel like, um, you know, the name holds a lot of weight, of course. Uh, being a former two-time AWA tag champion, CWA heavyweight champion, mid-Atlantic heavyweight champion, but his top tier and, and top thing that he did, I think, would be the Intercontinental Championship win in the WWF. So as far as Ken Patera and Hogan, it's just another mini feud, but it's one of the things, if you're a big Hogan fan and you want to seek the matches that not everybody talks about, not everybody knows, you want to go see it, you type in Hulk Hogan versus Ken Patera in Philly, and you pull up the prison match and just really, really enjoy another good random Hulk Hogan match with another random Hulk Hogan feud and another good Hulk Hogan opponent. So let's wrap it up here and head towards the plugs. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Two Man Power Trip. Check out the website tmptempire.com and of course Patreon, patreon.com slash tmptempire. Thank you everybody for listening. We'll see you right back here next week for the Hogan Era Podcast. See you next week, folks. This has been a John Paz Power Trip production in conjunction with the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Two Man Power Trip. You can check us out on Facebook. You can subscribe on YouTube. You can go to patreon.com slash tmptempire to become a patron and also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at prowrestlingtees.com. Two-man power trip where the power lies, brother. specimens in there. Uh-oh. Patera 
wasting no time and hammering away on the World Wrestling Federation champion. Patera has him in the corner. He's not letting up one bit. A referee, come on. He has him right in the corner. Absolutely. Should be right in there breaking it up right now. Hogan reverses it. Moves in. Close line. Patera. Patera up for the slam. What a slam that was. Big powerful slam. Boy, he really scooped him up and drove him on that Matt Hogan did. What a right hand. Patera in trouble. Hulk Hogan with Ken Patera whips him to the ropes. Here it comes. What a close line. Boy, anybody else would have never got up from that. Here comes Hogan with a big suplex and boom. A big suplex. He really scooped him up high. Bobby the Brain Eden can't believe what's happening. Look at Big John Studd. Wait a minute. Yeah, you got to be careful with Studd out there. Here comes oh! oh. Hogan running right into the uplifted knees of Jim Patera. Patera drops an elbow on the check. Another one. A series of elbows. Yet another one. Kid Patera. If he goes for the cover now, he could have something, but he does not.
zinks over here. Both of these guys. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Look at this. Watching a physique event here. Oh, my. You talk about a crunch. Oh, yeah. Double bomb. Mr. Wonderful, Paul Warner. Two of the greatest athletes in the World Wrestling Federation today. And no sir, no one's getting cut here. And the $25,000.